Hi, this is Lauren from Discovery Church. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. We hope that you find value and that is very impactful to your life today. Have a great one. Hey, good day, Discovery family. So good to see you again. Welcome back. For the past two weeks, we've been in a series called Love Where You Live, talking about the idea of how do we neighbor well. And today we're concluding this amazing series, and we've been hearing about stories of you loving where you live and being intentional. And we just want to say we're so proud of you for being willing to be good neighbors, to be loving people where you live. See, when Jesus was asked was the greatest commandment, he responded this way. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He says that the second is as equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors. And over the past couple of weeks, we have learned that that word in the original context and original text of neighbor means neighbor, someone in close proximity to you. Church, family, friends, people are hurting. More than ever, our, your neighbors need your love and your thoughts and know that you are with them and that they are not alone. God has placed you where you are for this very time in history because you are the best equipped to love where you live. We've also been putting our love in action, right? You know, it's not just enough to say that we love somebody, but last week we talked about love being a verb, that love is an action. In what ways have you began to show love or what we talked about last week, like to your neighbors? Have you hung door hangers, maybe help with yard work, lending a listening ear? We would actually love to hear any stories, any testimonies that you've had from this opportunity to share love, but also act in love. But today we're concluding this series with part three. Today, as we end this series, I want to encourage us not to lose sight, though, that we need to continue to love where we live. Because if we're truly going to reach our towns and our cities and our country and our world with the gospel, it has got to start here. Like I've said for the past two weeks, the church today has more literature, media, programs, and training to reach others at any other time in history. But the church, specifically in North America, is declining. And I pose this idea, could it be as simple as we've forgotten the most fundamental part of the process that Jesus said it starts with our neighbors? And get it, we're not able to meet for public in-person worship experiences at the moment. But that doesn't mean that there is a pause on the Great Commission. God knew that this would be our season that we're living in. And he still gave us the Great Commission. The Great Commission cannot be accomplished without the Great Commandment. So church family, I want to say it, to reiterate it, that I don't think there will ever be another time in history that our neighbors, that the people around us, will have such low personal barriers as they are right now. You know, often we live in cultures where we want to build fences and keep people out. But in this day and age, in the middle of a pandemic, 
people's personal barriers are lower than any other time in history. So let's not waste the opportunity that God has placed right in front of us to love our neighbors. Wouldn't it be cool that once, which once regathering and relaunch starts in September, that when we gather in the place that God is going to grace us with doing church at, wouldn't it be cool if our neighbors didn't just share our property lines, but also shared the seat next to you, the row that you occupy on a Sunday morning? It's just a kind of a cool thing to think about. But as we close this series today, I want to ask us a couple questions. Just to get our thoughts thinking in a way that will help this message, this final talk, actually hit home. Here's the two questions. Are your neighbors glad you live next door? Here's the second question. If you moved this week, would they notice and would they care? So as we reflect on those two questions, as we set the stage with those two questions, can we pray this morning as we jump in? God, solidify in our hearts that the need is real and the need is great to love where we live. In the name of Jesus, amen. Are your neighbors glad you're next door? If you moved, would they notice or would they care? These are often questions that Pastor Sean Lee and I ask specifically about our church, but I've never really asked them about my life personally, about my neighbors. Would they be sad if we packed up everything we own in a U-Haul and moved? Would they even know, notice? Would they be sad? Would they be happy? If I were to be honest to answer this question today, I'm not sure what the answer would be. However, for the next five months, even for, and for the past three weeks, it has been my personal mission to make sure that I know that I'm making the impact and making a difference in the neighborhood and loving where I live. So today I want to highlight from 1 Peter 3, two traits that a Christian neighbor should work on to possess. 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 3 and 14 says this. It says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone, if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in gentleness and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Peter here is actually speaking to Christians, Christian living in, in a culture that has a strong animosity to the teachings of Jesus. He strongly encourages people, hey, in your response, when, when people talk back about your hope that you have, don't go shouting back, have a calm response. You can disagree, but don't disagree with this animosity. Don't shout back. Peter, I think is saying something very important to us. In the first 12 verses of the chapter, he calls Christians to, to, to guard the word carefully and, and to be humbly, to speak peace and to watch their, watch their words. And, and then he offers what should make us different neighbors from those who might not look shouldn't live in fear when people threaten us. Instead, we should be ready to share a wonderful hope 
what Jesus has done in their lives. So from this passage, I want to highlight how we, two ways that we should be different as Christian neighbors. The first one from this passage is that we should demonstrate an extraordinary hope. And I say extraordinary, the, the text says just hope, but I say extraordinary hope because it's not just this typical optimism. It's not kind of like, oh, well, it might get better. You know, who in the world would notice that anyway? The point is what, what, what Peter is saying here is that there's, a, there's something different about us. You know, as it says in, in verse 13, let's, let's read the text again. It says, now who will want to arm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Extraordinary hope. It's not, and he's not talking about this kind of hope that, that often we use in our culture or in our English context. It's like, well, I sure hope it doesn't rain today. Or in our context, snow, I want to ride my bike. Or I sure hope the Oilers play well in the, uh, play well in the playoffs. Wait, I hope that they actually make the playoffs. It's not this idea of like, I, I, you know, I wish upon a star. I hope, hope in scriptural context is, is not just like, oh, it might happen. I hope that it happens. There's this anticipation for something better that has been promised. It's not just this crossing of fingers. What Peter speaks of here is a hope of a gospel that we already know about. It's kind of similar to when Paul speaks about the gospel. When he uses, Paul uses the word gospel, we, we've taken the word gospel and we've really made it a church word. But it's not just a church word, specifically in the context of scripture. Gospel in the Greek actually literally means good news. You know, see, in the first century, if an emperor won a great battle or a king uh, won a war and secured peace and established rule, he would send out messengers with what they would say, a gospel. He would send out good news, declaring victory and peace and authority. See, that's the key. The gospel is the announcement that Jesus has overcome sin and death. And just like this, extraordinary hope is not this grit of the teeth, hoping that there's going to be something in the future. No, it's a hope that Christ's work on the cross was enough for us. It's not this crossing of the finger, oh, I hope this is salvation, I hope this is a way to eternal life. No, we have extraordinary hope. So let's circle this back around to our neighbor for a moment, being a good neighbor. I think Peter's saying, hey, be courageous about the gospel. You don't need to back down. Just don't be rude about it. It says, he says, be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have. And you can give a defense without, we can give a defense without being defensive. Here, this is what I mean. The world's pretty chaotic right now. Pandemic's still happening social distancing, people wearing masks, get a shot, not get a shot. And your neighbor comes to you and says, hey, like, you seem so hope-filled in all these restrictions and political unrest, fear, economic crisis. Why, why are you so at peace? Why do you have extraordinary hope? It's because we understand that this world is just temporary. 
And when our neighbors are curious, Peter is saying, you're going to be given the opportunity when asked, both the hope that you have. So I'll ask you this question. Are you living with extraordinary hope today? A hope knowing no matter what tomorrow looks like, that your future is secure in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, his death and his resurrection. Is your hope extraordinary? Which leads us to the second trait that I believe that Peter is telling us in this passage of a good Christian neighbor. Is that we have to have an undeniable grace this one's really hard for me not to be graceful, but not everybody's going to like you. Guess what? There's going to be times that your neighbor is going to disagree with you, going to be having a bad day, not going to like you. But even on the worst days in your neighborhood, there should be a difference about us, even when we disagree. See, First Peter says, make a defense with gentleness and respect keep your conscience clear you catch that in, in verse 16 with gentleness and respect i wonder i wonder would, would people miss someone in your neighborhood would people miss me in my neighborhood If I was always gentle and respectful, I think they would. I think people would miss us if that was a trait. But I want us to notice something I think that Peter Peter is telling us here. It's not that just people will miss you, but when we approach our relationships with our neighbors, when we love where we live with gentleness and respect, there's so much more at stake. See, sometimes we can get caught up in our, I'm right, this is my land, I have a responsibility here, but I think he's giving us a caution flag. I think Peter is saying, hey, be careful, make sure you're humble and make sure you're gentle and make sure you're respectful. Because at the end of the day, the person that you're representing is Jesus. And the way that you're representing Jesus as, as being humble and respectful and, 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 and hope-filled is kind of the wrapping that your neighbors see on your life. gift inside is Jesus. Let me illustrate it for a moment. Have you ever ordered anything online from the internet? Most of us probably would say yes. And you, have you ever ordered something and it showed up to your house and it's packaged really nice and there's a box and you open up the box and there's another really nice box and you're like, you, your excitement for the product that's inside is actually growing in anticipation 
just because of the packaging. And then you open up that box and you bring out your brand new iPhone. You know, Apple's really good at this. You know, some people are not Apple fans, but what happens is you get really excited for unwrapping that new iPhone. It's wrapped in this nice paper and you take it off and you're, you're really excited. I see these, these positive, it's kind of like when we're, when we're hope-filled and we're gentle and when we're filled with grace, it's kind of a package of our salvation. People are unwrapping Jesus as you're being humble and gentle and grace-filled. But if you ever order something online and at the package show up and when it was on your front door, it's wrapped in duct tape, maybe wrapped in a garbage bag, you open it and you're kind of like, oh, you're before you even see the product, you already know what is going on. I think Peter's warning us here. Saying, be humble and be gentle. Be filled with hope because the packaging matters. How you react, how you respond to your neighbors matters. It might be the difference of the gospel, the good news, being attractive or being unattractive. It might be the difference of your neighbors accepting what's on the inside or rejecting what's on the inside just because of how it is packaged. Matthew 5.16 says it like this, is that in the same way, let your light shine in front of people. Then they'll see the good that you do and praise the Father in heaven. Church, family, friends, we have the greatest message in the world. But if the packaging, specifically in our neighborhoods, is poor, Nobody's going to receive that gift very well. On the contrary, though, if the packaging is nice, I'm not saying put on a, you know, oh, life is perfect when it's not. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying live a fake life. But when the packaging is biblical, always be ready to give a hope, to give an answer for the hope that you with, with respect and with gentleness, guess what? People will want to unwrap Jesus. See, we can be harsh. We can be belittling. Or we can be respectful and gentle. Peter is telling us, be ready. Because when you love where you live, when you're filled with hope, when you're gentle and respectful, guess what? People are going to be curious and want to unwrap what you have in your soul. The good news of Jesus Christ. So, do you have extraordinary hope? Do you possess undeniable grace? If we do, as we love where we live, I think we're going to see our neighbors love the one we live for. That's right. Heavenly Father, today, we don't just love where we live to be able to make a presentation of the gospel. 
but we do know that the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, is our part of our responsibility as Christians. So as we're filled with hope and grace, would you give us the opportunity when it arrives, when it, when it comes our way, to share the hope that we have, even in our worst days, we love watching today and maybe you've never unwrapped the gift of Jesus in your life before. Would you unwrap that gift today? Maybe this message has helped you be filled with hope. Maybe something that happened through a friend who calls Discovery Church home was so grace-filled that you're kind of like, man, I want what they have on the inside. It's Jesus. Today, would you make a decision to give your life to Christ? It's the best decision you could ever make. If you want to make that decision today, I just ask you, Lord, I invite you to pray this simple prayer after me. Say, God, today I give you my life. Come into my heart and make me new. I accept what you did on the cross as your death resurrection as a sacrifice for my sins. Today I'm surrendering my life to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you made that decision today to give your life to Christ, we're, we're celebrating with you. We say that you have to be a Christian for yourself. You cannot be a Christian by yourself. Let somebody know. So click the link in the comment section. Let our team know. We want to be praying for you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to send you a Bible that's the best decision that you could ever make discovery church can we make a decision today to continue to love where we live next week we're starting a brand new series i'm so excited for it's called let it go when it hurts to hold on we're going to talk all about forgiveness and how on holding on to unforgiveness really hurts that we just need to let go so invite a friend let's be in the room next week as well for the next few weeks i'm so excited that we get to dive into letting it go discovery church we love you we love being your pastors both pastor shawley and i are praying for you today and this week we'll see you in seven days time.